Don't look now. Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hegeman, with our random stories of interest and intrigue week by week. So as always, Jenny is our, our keeper of the secret topic today, which is less secret to people that get to see the topic on the you know thing before they click it, but I got no idea what we're talking about. So, uh, so Jenny, <laughs> what are we talking about today? Well, um, I kind of wanted something honorary to talk about today because, you know, why not? I feel like we just don't have enough truly good shenanigans in our life right now. So I thought we would talk about a story that I had literally never heard of before. And it's super amazing. Cool. Have you ever heard of the most notorious jewel thief in America? The most notorious jewel thief in America? No, I don't know of any real jewel thieves outside of movies like the Pink Panther and stuff. So, you know. Well, today you're going to hear about a woman by the name of Doris Payne, who was a thief for more than 60 years around the world. That's pretty cool, I guess. (laughs) It is one of those stories that is the funniest thing because she just, let's just get into it. It's, it's pretty great. Okay. So we're going to kind of start in the middle of the story because it just is Such a fabulous way to start. So by 1975, Doris Payne had been stealing precious diamonds around the globe (laughs) for decades. But when the 44-year-old site set her, or the 44-year-old set her sights on her latest target, the world-famous Bulgari jeweler jeweler in Rome, she finally was like, oh shit, I'm gonna get caught. (laughs) So... The young, handsome clerk in the store didn't have the special qualities that she looked for in a mark, what she called the combination of eager to please and super stupid. (laughs) He moved too fast. He was just as watchful as could be, and he didn't give her a chance to confuse him. And she says, this dude was trained like a stripper, but I was going to find a way to flip it on him. Trained like a stripper, huh? Uh Uh-huh. interesting interesting term right i thought that was a very interesting turn of phrase so she countered for every movement he did and she moved at a dizzying pace she would put on and take off rings and necklaces until the kid wasn't able to keep up with her and then she slipped a yellow diamond ring worth thousands of dollars onto her middle finger he didn't even notice because she moved so quickly and then she immediately goes i need to use the restroom Walks out, goes to the bathroom, disappears to the streets of Rome before he even realized. (laughs) So this was the last in a five-day, four-city larceny tour, which she also walked off with a $55,000 watch at the Van Cleef and Arpels and several diamond and emerald pieces from Gerard & Co. in in the London jeweler. Um, So they were the ones that do the the royal jewels. Okay. Yeah. All right. By the time she was back on a plane to the United States, she was carrying what would amount today to nearly $1 million of jewelry. And this is just kind of business as usual. (laughs) (laughs) 
she is from West Virginia and her career started when she was 16 years old. She and a friend would take three hour bus trips to Cleveland and practice stealing watches from Woolworths. (laughs) Got to work your way up, huh? Right. And then 22 years later, she's an international jewel thief who's traveled the world with 32 different aliases and nine different passports. Nice. That's that's cool. Yeah. It's interesting because as soon as you say jewel thief, I immediately think like cat burglar. So like, you know, breaking in, getting into the safe, it never occurred to me to, you know, that it's the direct sleight of hand, you know, confusing somebody while you're trying on all this stuff and slipping off with something. So I would totally get stolen, but yeah. Well, here's even more interesting. Okay. She's African-American. Nice. During the 1950s. Yeah. Able to walk into these jewelers and walk out with all this money. That is impressive because I'm sure she got watched like a hawk by all these people during that time, you know? Yep. Yep. So now she's in her 90s and she basically is at the point of confessing everything. She's written a book. (laughs) There's a Netflix special. And now Tessa Thompson, who's um, Valkyrie in the Thor movie and the Marvels is going to be doing a biopic about her. Um, And so basically her book is this autobiography where she talks about how she was a young nurse and how she transforms herself into the most famous jewel thief in the world. Um, And basically she describes herself as being the person that commuters every morning would have seen her as just some little black girl who rode in the back of the bus like every other black Cleveland woman headed to her subservient job. But in the weekends... She was Doris Payne, a jewelry thief in training. Nice. She's very. She has a very self-inflated view <laughs> of herself, and I love Sounds it. Right for a jewel thief, but yeah, right. And yeah. she's real. Um, she God, the pictures of her. You'll as soon as you try to post them on our Facebook, you're gonna understand. She's real sassy and just. Tessa Thompson describes her as being a badass. Like you know that she's a criminal and you shouldn't kind of giggle at some of the shenanigans she pulls, but you giggle yeah. at the shenanigans she pulls. Cause yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, right. and it makes Go me ahead. think of, uh, Oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the uh, catch me if you can character. Um, Frank. Oh, the Leonardo DiCaprio plays. Yeah. 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 Uh, Frank Abagnale jr. Yeah. Yep. Makes me think of the, the similar personality traits you have to have to basically be your bold you know, bald thief, thief that just walks up and tries to get away with things directly in person. You know, there's. Yeah. There's a, and like know. that level of charming and, and just nothingness too, because yep. they don't, they don't really catch them. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. Yeah. So she's born and raised in a town called Slab Fork, which is a mining town in West Virginia. She's the youngest of five children, um, and she's super protective of her mom, who's Cherokee, and her mom was actually physically abused by her father, who was an African-American coal miner, who was struggling terribly um, by being poor and Black in the South. But her uh, parents' super unhappy marriage was probably pretty, you know, important to her career trajectory. (laughs) Uh, she decided very early on she was never going to be financially dependent on a man. So she said, I would make my own money and I'm going to take care of me and mine. (laughs) 
sassy lady. She was also super driven by resentments over racial inequalities. So she would read her mom's Harper Bazaar magazines and be super pissed off that all the models in the magazines were white and they all had these big diamond bracelets. And she'd be like, you know what? They are no better than me. Why can't I have a diamond bracelet? So like I said, she took a job in Cleveland. She was a nurse and she would take these trips to Pittsburgh and Cleveland to swipe jewels off of counters. Her first big score happens in 1952. She's 23 years old. She walks into a Pittsburgh jewelry story and walks out with a diamond ring worth $20,000 in 1952 money. (laughs) That's impressive. Right? Crazy. Um, Nicer back then when you didn't have cameras that would have, you know, identified you and... They yeah. could track you down later, you know, and just be like, there was this girl that, especially back then, I'm sure they're, you know, we're just like, there was a black girl and she was here and that's it, you know. Right. Like, it, especially because during that time, people were like, I don't know. They all look alike to me. Yeah, exactly. I can just see your 50s person just doing the, I don't know. She was just a stereotype walking into my jewelry store or something. So, you know. Right. Full advantage. But yeah. That's not exactly what she claims happened, but I could see that being like people's reasoning. Yeah. So she's so paranoid after she steals this $20,000 ring that she ends up spending the night in the bathroom stall of a Greyhound station. She said she fell asleep with the ring against her chest. The next day she walked back to the jewelry store, was super guilty and was like, that's it. I'm going to return it. But somehow she ended up wandering into a pawn shop and sold the ring for about $7,000, which is about 65000 in today money. Nice. That's, that's impressive for just a pawn shop. Right? No questions asked. I'm sure it was a top-end pawn shop. That's... Well, the retail, it's called a resale store. So maybe that's okay. not a pawn shop, but that's what my... Yeah, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it effectively is. But... Yeah, that's what I kind of figured. Yeah. So what she, reminds me of my feelings after I accidentally shoplifted cat litter or cat food. So, you know, I, was it on the bottom rack of the shopping cart? No, that was just where I, I, my parents gave me money to go get the cat food. And I like was so conditioned to just walk out of the store and wait for them to get done shopping that I like picked up the cat food. And then I just walked out of the store and got like halfway home and then realized I still had the money and I'd never paid for the cat food. And then I was like, sure the cops were after me and I was like terrified to ever go back there and I was like hiding I'm like oh my god you know they're gonna tackle me and throw me in jail if I ever show back up at Dylan's again and you know I almost stole something accidentally a few weeks ago uh, my nieces were in town and the baby was in the the cart so that she wouldn't touch stuff but she kept like re- you know how babies like lean over and basically fall out of a shopping cart so we gave her an activity pack that I was planning on just buying. We got checked out and I got halfway to the car and I see her still sitting there dancing with it. And I realized mm-hmm. I had never paid for it. Yeah. And I like ripped it out of her hand, handed her to her mom and went running back inside. And I'm like sweating under my mask and apologetic. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, we didn't even notice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well that dollar nine, someone might need. Yeah. See, I was too terrified by the time I'd gotten that far away, you know, I, it wasn't just like turning around and going, oops. And then I was like, they're, they're waiting to arrest me. If I show up, there's probably yeah. like a guard at the door waiting to tackle me. So I'm, I was like too terrified to go back and like, well, they for sure the will wait for you, back for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, 
figured they had the, you know, SWAT team there and everything. So, you know, it was sweating bullets. So I feel you. I feel you. So, you know, totally equivalent to a $20,000 diamond ring, you know, absolutely the 69 cent can of cat food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she learned early on a successful jewel heist isn't really about luck or confidence. It was about the talent to make people forget. Yeah. She said if she could just get them to forget, then she could get away with it. So she has a ton of flux basically from her income. Um, and she uses all this extra cash to help her family who's super broke. And so she buys her mom a $20,000 four bedroom house in Cleveland in the Shaker Heights district in 1966. But that didn't really help their situation because she was really forthcoming to her mother about where all the money <laughs> came from. <laughs> and so her mom was happy to take the money. She just didn't want to have a relationship with her over it. Okay. Um, and Doris has two children. She uh, had these kiddos with her baby daddy back in high school. Um, and they go to live with their father. And she sends regular checks to cover all of their expenses because she just knew that she wasn't cut out to be a mother. She said a woman practicing being a world-class jewel thief just wasn't going to be home much. Probably true. Probably because you're going to end up in jail at some point, right? <laughs> So during the late 1950s, stealing jewelry becomes her full-time job. She travels across North America from Los Angeles to Montreal, Canada, Canada. I was about to call it Canadian, still mess it up. And she did all of her homework so she knew where the best places were to go. She learned that if she convinced jewelers to bring out more than five pieces to show her at one time, that they were more shy about reporting events to the police because who would send a report of the store's negligence to their insurance company? Yeah, there you go. He had to practice making it their fault. <laughs> because it would be so easy to be, if she got caught, to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. We went through so many pieces of jewelry. I just accidentally left this one on my finger. You know. Yep. yep. So then in 1957... She began dating an Israeli with deep ties to the criminal underground. His nickname was Babe. His real name, Harold Bronfield. He's a six foot four Cleveland man with enough muscle to protect her when she, when she needs it, right? So she was identified as the culprit in a jewelry heist in Philadelphia. And his well-connected lawyers just handle it um, <laughs> and somehow negotiate with the judge for a guilty plea, but she gets no time served. Wow. Right? This is kind of a pattern that you see with her. So eventually photos of her kind of hit the newspapers of this big heist that she has. So she's forced to travel to smaller cities and smaller towns where she's not going to be recognized. So it becomes really difficult to steal. And then it becomes even more difficult when Babe died in 1968 from complications from a cosmetic surgery. Live by the sword, die by the sword, I guess. Right. Yes. So by the early 70s, she was like, you know, it's a little dangerous um, to be in the United States. I'm really well known. Everybody's seen my face. What should I do? I'm ahead to Europe. That's where diamonds make their first stop on the black market. As you do. <laughs> so her first destination during the summer of 1974 was Monte Carlo. 
There she targeted a cur she targeted Cartier and made off with a 10 and a half carat diamond ring worth half a million dollars. Nice. That just that, sounds like a, a robin's diamond. egg on your finger. Like Yeah, that's it's a lot of diamonds, man. Oh Lord. <clears throat> so here's the thing though. She didn't make it very far. Her mistake, she says was that she forgot to change her clothing before she headed to the airport after her heist. So the police catch her before she boarded the plane. So she's, she's caught. Okay. She's in a jam. But despite several full body searches, they never found the ring. <laughs> guess how? I'm afraid she, to, I'm afraid guess, to guess. But yeah. Right. She hit it. In some Kleenex, pretending that she had a cold. That and did then it. Huh? She she borrows a needle and thread from one of her guards <laughs> and asks to fix the hem on her skirt and whip stitches the stolen ring into the hem of her pantyhose. <laughs> so she got away. Of course she did. Just after her 50th birthday in 1980, she pulled off her most impressive escape. This time, she flew to Zurich, <laughs> walked into a bar with her driver, and broke her number one rule, which was no alcohol, and got shit-faced. She says she drifted in and out of consciousness and only has very fuzzy memories of what happened, um, <laughs> but that she walked into a store selling Rolexes. Next thing she remembers, she was at a club where she danced until the wee hours. And then the next thing she noticed after that was she was surrounded by the police at coat check. <laughs> so she got on a train bound for the embassy in French Switzerland. Um, at some point, she asked to use the bathroom and jumped off the train. Then she wandered into a cornfield through the cornfield and then she just happened to find a taxi that took her back to Zurich to her hotel and at that point sitting in the taxi after the corn like this is all just so many circumstances all at once right so she's sitting in the taxi just kind of chatting it up with her driver looks down and realizes she has a stolen freaking Rolex on her wrist yeah and she has no memory of taking it. And she was like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. I might be too old for this shit. <laughs> uh, so they did find her, but not then. It was 12 years later. Or wait, no, not 12 years. How many years? Math is hard. 12 years? 12-ish years? 20 years later. Wow. 20. Two zero. She got sentenced to 12 years for stealing a $57,000 ring in Denver, but she only served five years of that sentence. She was arrested again in 2011 when then at 81 years old in the middle of a California crime spree, she stole diamonds from Palm Desert to San Diego. <laughs> of a little old lady just, you know, ripping people off everywhere and stealing rings, but yeah. Right. So at the end of this article, this is in 2011, they said today she lives alone on a penthouse rental in Atlanta, 
She lost her Shaker Heights home due to a foreclosure. All of her savings was depleted and she enjoys occasional visits from her adult children. (laughs) But here's the thing at 81 years old, that was not the end of her goddamn story. Ha! Nice. In December of 2011, so five years later, she is sentenced to 120 days of house arrest because she steals a $2,000 necklace and is subsequently banned from all Atlanta area malls. <laughs> Stay out of the K jewelers, man. That's, you know, yeah. The, the judge says no shopping trips. And she goes, oh, yeah, no, no problem. I won't do that. So she's kind of at this point looking just a little bit frail. You can see pictures of her on the internet from various points in time. And this is, you know, like, of course, they're going to have a really good photo of you in jail. Um, So she's wearing her orange jumpsuit. She looks just kind of old and sad. She pleads guilty to a felony shoplifting charge. And um, she's sentenced to three years probation in addition to house arrest. And um, she's not allowed to go to any DeKalb County retail centers. (laughs) And at this point is when she starts telling everybody the truth. Um, She's like, yeah, I made a career out of stealing stuff. I did it for 60 years. I walked into the finest shops from Paris to Pittsburgh, walked out with gold and gems. And this is when Netflix does their documentary. Okay. And so she tells NBC News in an interview after this arrest, I am a thief. And although at that time, she claims when she walked into that store in the mall, the one that she got told not to shop anymore after mm-hmm. she didn't have larceny in her heart. I didn't go there to take anything. She says, I was just killing time. And this article says the saleswoman who clearly had not seen the 2013 documentary called the life and crimes of Doris Payne put this diamond necklace out on the counter for this lady and just walked away. Um, and Payne says she just left it laying there. So I picked it up and the police say she picked it up and put it in her back pocket um, and is then stopped by a security guard who places her under arrest. And she goes, that didn't happen. So in her version, she says, I never tried to leave the store. I was just wandering around inside and the guard stopped me. And there's no way that I put the necklace in my back pocket. I didn't even have a back pocket as an owner of women's clothing. I can attest many of her clothes do not have back pockets. (laughs) So she's arrested um, and released on a $15,000 bond. Uh, But she was taken into custody because she missed a court date because she was sick. So she actually had to serve a little bit of time. So she has over 20 arrests on her rap sheet, was convicted twice in California since 2011, could have faced 10 years in prison. Instead, she got time served and an early release. Nice. Right. The advantage of being old and a nonviolent criminal, I think. Okay, here's the thing, though. That was in December 2016. <laughs> in September of 2017, she's arrested again. This I'm time, shocked. right at 80 some years old, she's arrested at the Walmart in Chambly, which is outside of um, Atlanta. And she's charged with four counts of theft by shoplifting. And is accused of taking items that totaled $80.60 from the pharmacy and electronics department. It's considered a misdemeanor. 
she was caught because the loss prevention officer at the Walmart had seen the documentary. <laughs> he said, she didn't say anything. She gave us, she just said her name and I knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but believe it or not, she avoided going to jail yet again. Um, just got a stern warning and basically it was don't come back. And she very sweetly said, don't worry, I won't. <laughs> so she got out of jail yet again. Um, after she, her Walmart bus, though, she was apprehended um, for another previous crime, but she was released. So like she was always arrested, but they just kept releasing her for no yeah. real old frail lady, right? Yeah, I think I think you got to take advantage of your old frail ladiness to just go on, you know, a crazed crime spree and, you know, never have to pay for your crimes. That's yeah. Right. So I, it's, it's not like just, you ever get to benefit from them either, but you don't have to pay for them. So this is just one of those stories where I just kept giggling. I was like, can you just imagine? And she's the cutest. Seriously. She's the cutest yeah. old lady. Like you could just see her being in front of a judge and be like, I won't do it. No. Yeah. I, well, I can imagine being in a jewelry store. I mean, if you can't trust the little old 86 year old lady, then who are, who are you going to trust, man? So, right. I mean, you wouldn't think she could even get away quickly enough for it to be a problem. So you just feel like, okay, it's not like we can't chase her down in the mall. We'll be fine. But, exactly. So basically the reason why she finally maybe has retired from doing some of these big heists is because of the internet, essentially. Um, there's just too many, there's too many cameras everywhere. The international records are too easily accessed. So it was time to retire. Oh, well, that's what she says. <laughs> She's like, oh, the internet was everywhere and there were cameras. So she decided it was time to retire. Oh, well. Be far more satisfying if one of the reporters, you know, doing this story finds they're missing their watch later or something like that. Yeah. I know. I looked through... This is another one of those ones that was really hard to find a lot of comprehensive articles because there are documentaries, there are books and things. And I just honestly didn't have time to read all that and watch all that, but very funny. Oh my gosh. I just have this picture because every time you open one of the articles and they show like a little clip of her court hearings and she's just sitting there going, just, just cute smiling. Yeah. Love it. So let's go down the rabbit hole. She grew up in the 1930s in segregated coal mining county in West Virginia, and she used to play this game called Miss Lady. In the game, she would don a hat, a purse, and imagine herself living a life far from her own impoverished circumstances. So the seed of what would become, what she would become was planted really early in her life, uh, probably around the age of 13. A friendly store owner in her neighborhood permitted her to try on a few watches after she told him that her mother had promised to buy her a new watch if she got good grades, which she had. However, a white man walked into the store while she was in there trying on the watches, mm -hmm. and the store owner's demeanor changed drastically. Not wanting to be seen being considerate to a young black girl, he prompted her out of the store, but forgot to ask her to take the watch off. Nice she still had on and that was her first heist as a young girl she imitated the mannerisms of gone with the winds scarlett o'hara 
And her mom subscribed to a ton of fashion magazines. Um, so Doris would read them voraciously as you do. And she loved new clothes and new shoes, but she did not like bows or other ornaments like hats and gloves. Okay. Just dresses and shoes. Good to know. Right. Not into that fancy stuff. Well, I think it's interesting. It's almost like she liked to steal the jewelry, but not wear it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, One of her heists was in January of 2010 she was in Costa Mesa, California, and she stole a $1,300 Burberry trench coat from Saks Fifth Avenue, <laughs> which I thought was just a fabulous, like, random ass thing to steal. Yeah. She used to call all of her exploits campaigns. Nice. I was just on a campaign to Paris. No big deal. <laughs> My campaign to the Riviera. Nice. I love it. Ah, if you can't have crazy old women from the South, what can you have, right? (laughs) Love it. Uh, That's the story of Miss Doris Payne. That's cool. It reminds me of, have you ever had someone, you know, grift you or had that, you know, attempt at misdirection to steal things from you? Not that I'm aware of. Because I, you know, it's interesting because, you know, when you're talking about what you did, I've, I've had that experience when I was working at the old Dollar Theater in Wichita. Mm. We had a, a group that would come in that uh, they were pretty much known at the Wichita Mall for stealing things constantly. And uh, but they would always come in and try to, you know, cheat us out of money. Right. And the, the standard thing was, you know, because I was always working the box office selling 99 cent tickets and they would always try to pay with a large bill and then distract you while you were making change and try to get more change out of it or, you know, pay you with a 10 and say it was a 20. So like pay, you start counting it back. They interrupt you with a story. You talk to them for a bit and then they're back and they're like, Oh, I actually gave you a 20 and not a 10. You knew, you know, you owe me 10 bucks, that kind of stuff. So we had to have, you know, official procedures that anytime they would pay, you would have to set the bill next to you and then make change so that it was completely visible and obvious which bill they had given you. And we had to be drilled and all of these procedures to kind of, you know, keep those things from happening. But. And I would have just counted down the cash register every time they did it, like yeah. really annoy them with it too. Yeah. yeah. Do it as slow as possible. Oh, I'll have to count down the whole register. Hold on a second. Yeah. But when you mentioned her and her friend stealing watches at the Woolworths, that was. It was something this group would do is they would take their young kids over to the dollar store and they would just practice stealing things. Were they of the Romani clan? Because that sounds that is, like... That is what I had been avoiding getting at because I, you know, I don't want to perpetuate stereotypes. But yes, yes, they were. They were a, a known Romani band that practiced stereotypical Romani behavior. So Interesting. I think in the 90s that that was much more like common than it is now. Well, it was a big thing in Wichita because they had, you know, a a large group. There was a, you know, apparent king of the gypsies that lived in Wichita. So they had lots of lots of kind of traveling Romani bands that would come in and kind of headquarter in Wichita. And, you know, it was nice. They were, you know, they were pleasant people like. They'd come in, oh, yeah. they'd try to cheat me, and then I'd hang out and talk to them in the lobby for a while, and they were fun to talk to, and, you know, 
remember helping one of them with their sunburn and everything else. And they, you know, they were, you know, perfectly pleasant, but they, you know, just generally, it was just perfectly acceptable to cheat you. You know, it was, it wasn't like, wasn't malicious even. It was just like, yeah, yeah, it was not personal. It's just, this is just what we do, you know? And it was like, wow, I've just never experienced that before. It was a. Well, the way that you described it is very like, every crime show you've ever seen that they bring up people of the Romani, like every single one, they, that's how they like, it's their training process for their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I remember that being much more prevalent 20, 30 years ago. I I haven't heard about any, anything like that in quite a while, but it used to be, especially like, it was a big thing for a long time about, you know, basically, you know, asphalting, driveways that was the big yeah thing they, they would tar driveway they would try to find little old ladies promise to fix their driveway work for a bit you know get some money split that kind of thing and remember that was just kind of a constant i haven't heard anything like that in a long time so i don't know i i haven't uh, the last thing i remember hearing about true like romanis in the midwest was somebody i knew in high school had joined the Romanis and had gotten a caravan and was going to go. <laughs> Apparently that upset my dog. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about yeah. that. Like over in Europe, there's still clans that roam, but I haven't. Yeah. I mean, it might totally be a thing, but I have not heard it mentioned in the U S in 20 plus years now. So, you know, that must be, once again, the advent of the internet and the, yeah. the cellular is everywhere. Yeah, but I just remember being shook because I'd never experienced anything like that. And I, I, you know, just kind of people would talk about that. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm sure that's not, you know, and yeah, they, I mean, they just, it was their thing, you know, so good times. But yeah, that was, that was my fun Wichita Mall experience, so. We used to have, we called them pool rats at the swimming pool, but they didn't ever really try to steal or anything. They just were there all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't really have an experience with that. That's interesting. Yeah, but it was just every every little kind of, they would pull every kind of little scam and it was just like a little game almost. And it got to where, yeah, our whole theater had a, okay, you know, Various stations, people, okay, you you go here, you leave the money out when asked, you go to the back door because five people will be waiting at the back door that they're going to try to let in. And, you know, and they just kind of go through the motions and sometimes they would be checked and sometimes they wouldn't. And they, you know, there wasn't any real shame in it. It was just kind of like, we're going to get away with what we can get away with and you're going to try to stop us. And we kind of acknowledge this and we're just going to kind of play this game. And it was, it was. It was an interesting experience. There was an episode of Criminal Minds where they talk about um, trying to steal something with bells on it. And that was the ultimate, like, prestige take. (laughs) I'm sorry, this dog is cracking me up right now. He's (laughs) just groaning on the floor because he's mad there's a rabbit in the yard right now, I think. Anyhow, if you could get the item of clothing out of a store without the bell ringing, then you passed some sort of test. Yeah. It was, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've seen several like procedural stories and it's always in Florida now. 
And even those are 10, 15 years old, though, that I'm thinking yeah. about it. Man, yeah. now I want to know what happened to the Romanis in America. Don't know, man. I'm going to look into this. See, you got me off on a yeah. whole team. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now we're going to have to. Now we're gonna have to do one on the Romani at some point. So you know. Probably. They're actually it's a fascinating culture and just very very interesting. Yeah, I mean I remember after after all these interactions, I remember spending a lot of time, you know, looking up the history and everything else. And you know, it was it was really interesting stuff. So yeah, that's on my list. I'll have to look into that one. Nice. Well, all right. Well, I think that that probably wraps us up. So Yes, sir. Cool topic. Good to know. I'm going to have to look her up now because I, I have never heard of this lady and jewel thieves are just a fascinating topic. So They are because it's not something that you really hear about that often. Yeah. And really, like, jewelry is kind of not as interesting as it was even in the 90s. Yeah. You know, so they used to have the commercials out all the time. The, every kiss begins with K. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a, you know, thing that generally millennials are just not as into jewelry as previous generations and that's just been you know the trend so yeah because i I can totally get behind because it seems ridiculous but you know yeah well i think part of that was was that there was that whole period of time where if you had fancy jewelry you were always worried that like you'd get robbed yeah now we just live a life where our life savings was robbed through college so it's not yeah yeah i mean nobody has money for thousands and thousands of dollars worth of jewelry to sit around and do nothing so exactly i don't go anywhere fancy anyway yep yeah yeah cue my story that i keep telling of us being robbed in grad school and not knowing it because they didn't take anything because you were so poor broke into our house looked around and left that's probably left you five dollars they were like exactly i mean should have been a little note saying we feel sorry for you people here's five bucks go get yourself something but you know i know right I, that's what i probably would have done if i was that thief but you know <laughs> I'd be like damn <laughs> and you two are living the life Jeez, yeah exactly yeah exactly go buy some rice or something all right yeah here's some craft mac and cheese yeah exactly that. yeah and i would have taken it with pleasure but yeah <laughs> all right well thanks again and uh Thank you to all our listeners for checking in with us again this week. We will see you all in a week. Stay safe, take care, and uh, we'll catch you all later. Bye. Bye.